Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan. Before we get into today's content, I would like to remind everybody that if you're enjoying the show, please give us a rating and subscribe to the podcast. You can catch us on all major podcast platforms. Also on Instagram at any given you is the handle. Hit the link tree and it will give you access to everything, including not only Instagram, the podcast, but our Facebook page and group. Week one is upon us, and this is the second episode that we are dropping today on September the 2nd. I'm, again, just so thrilled that the 2021 football season is back and in full swing, and we have a week one preview for you now on this installment, and we have some matchups this weekend that are just going to be so much fun, and I cannot wait to dive into them. We have a few official picks, and we have some other Uh, games that we are just going to go ahead and give you a brief synopsis or something interesting about them. But again, a great sprinkle across this Labor Day weekend. Uh, We have games tonight. We have games Friday. We got games Saturday. It's just going to be a great slate of college football back in full swing. God, we've waited long enough. So let's get into it. Before we get into these official picks, I want to talk to you real quick uh, about a game that is going down this evening. We have Bowling Green taking a trip to Neyland Stadium to take on Tennessee. And what I found interesting about this was Joe Milton, the former Michigan quarterback, has been named the starter in Tennessee. A lot of people thought that maybe it would have been Hendon Hooker transferring in from Virginia Tech, maybe somebody they already had on the roster, but Joe Milton gets the starting nod apparently headed into this contest tonight. And so a lot of people are wondering why that is exactly. I have a theory. Josh Heupel coming out of UCF, who's now the head coach at Tennessee, he got himself a big armed quarterback. Joe Milton has one of the strongest arms in all of college football. This dude can throw it a country mile. And if you remember, what was the offense that was run at UCF? It was a spread it out, vertical concept, sort of offense, getting down the field, deep passes. Uh, and so I think that's why he's getting the starting nod. It should be really interesting to see what this new Tennessee offense looks like, especially with Joe Milton at the helm and other options at the quarterback position with a coach like Josh Heupel trying to bring something new to the SEC. You know, and uh, and, and so it's, it should be exciting, should be a good game to catch. Um, I would hope that Tennessee comes out and looks sharp against Bowling Green, but, I mean, who knows. That kickoff, by the way, 8 p.m. tonight uh, on wherever you're going to catch that one. A lot of people stream TV these days anyway, so go ahead and search it, and uh, and, and that should be a fun one to watch. Another quick one I wanted to talk about uh, for tonight is Weber State taking on number 24, Utah, 7.30 Eastern time, so that would be actually 4.30 Pacific, and uh, that will be aired on the Pac-12 network. The reason this one sticks out to me is because we're pretty high on Utah coming into this year. We've talked about them in previous episodes. We've discussed some things that we like about the Utes. I think that one of the things I like the most about them is the addition of transfer quarterback Charlie Brewer out of Baylor. This was a kid that had a pretty electric year two years ago. I wouldn't say electric. I would say very solid. He was very solid within the system that Matt Rule was running. Uh, Competent starter, good arm talent. Not going to put you in a lot of bad situations. And I think that he will integrate seemingly or seamlessly, I should say, (laughs) uh, with Kyle Whittingham's system out there in Utah. They're big. They're physical. They like to rely on the run game. I think he's a perfect, good decision 
type quarterback that's going to keep them out of trouble and should be a boost at the quarterback position for the Utes this year moving into conference play. So very interested to see what they look like tonight taking on Weber State. Another game going down tonight, and this is a big one for me, folks. We have Boise State taking a trip all the way across the country down to Florida, down to Orlando, into the bounce house to take on the UCF Knights. UCF has a 76% chance of winning this game, according to ESPN.com, and they are six-point favorites at this time. Dylan Gabriel is coming into the season as a seasoned vet, one of the best group of five quarterbacks in the country, in my opinion, uh, and in his opinion as well. He could be one of the better quarterbacks, period, in the country, but we are I'm very interested to see what his new role and what the new offense sort of looks like under Gus Malzahn. Do they go a little more putt-putt style, like what you saw at Auburn? Do, do they add a little misdirection? Do they add the window dressing and everything else? Or is did he want to leave more sleeping dogs lie and, and stay with sort of those vertical route concepts that we discussed a moment ago that Josh Heupel had there? I don't know exactly if the spring game was any indicator. There's definitely a couple of tricks up the sleeve, of, you know, for lack of a better term, from the coaching staff that you may see in this competition tonight. But either way, Dylan Gabriel, a very capable quarterback. Boise State brings a capable quarterback of their own and Hank Bachmeyer, very solid uh, performer out there for the Broncos. I just think that with the trip across the country, the, the distance at which this game is being played, the distance at which Boise State has to travel, I don't like them in this matchup against UCF at home with a lot of excitement and everything else buzzing around the program. You also have a first-year head coach for Boise State going up against Gus Malzahn, who is a seasoned head coach knows how to build and run a program. And I think another X factor that needs to be discussed here is the speed that UCF will bring to the table versus Boise State. I'm not suggesting that Boise State, you know, has a bunch of slow guys. It's just Florida speed, grown in-house, especially on the defensive side of the ball with the multiple front defenses they're going to be able to run. I just think that UCF will take this contest. So that is actually an official pick, my first official pick, I've got UCF over Boise State. The next one I want to talk about is another game that is happening tonight, and that is the number four ranked Ohio State Buckeyes taking on Minnesota, taking a trip to Minneapolis to take on P.J. Fleck and the Golden Gophers. This one is interesting to me for the reason of I would – I would like to see what the over-under is because I would be willing to actually bet the over in this one, and I'll tell you why. Both of these teams bring offensive firepower that can light up the scoreboard. For Minnesota, Tanner Morgan returns at quarterback, seasoned vet, very good in his own right in the 2019 season, had a year to reset, obviously, with 2020. I'm, I'm trying not to play too hard into what happened in 2020 with some of these teams, right? I think P.J. Fleck is a good coach. I think given the circumstances of coming off of last year and having an actual camp and everything else, I think you're going to see a slightly better product out of Minnesota. And for Minnesota, offense wasn't really the problem. It was definitely defense. They also have a stud running back in Muhammad Ibrahim back there who went ran wild despite all the challenges last year. So offensively, 
I think they will be very potent. They also have a very solid offensive line. Defensively, again, if it's anything like last year, it's going to be a dumpster fire. So let's take it over to the boys from Columbus. They have one of the most loaded wide receiver rooms. I'll just go ahead and say it. The most loaded wide receiver room in college football. And I think Ohio State is capable of scoring 45 plus points on this defense with that wide receiver room alone. I could probably throw to these guys. C.J. Stroud will be making his debut as the signal caller for the Buckeyes, a very talented young kid who's waited his turn to get his start. And then you have guys like Master Teague and Travion Henderson in the backfield for a one-two punch. Offensive line should be solid. Again, let's go to the defensive side of the ball when we're talking about Ohio State. 18 of their 20 tacklers, 20 top tacklers from last year are gone. That defense, as I mentioned in previous episodes, has been absolutely gutted. As far as talent goes, yeah, they're talented. Of course they are. It's Ohio State. They recruit at an extremely high level. They have a bookend defensive end combo that should be absolutely nasty, right? But at the same time, there's not a substitute for experience, okay? So if these guys are talented and they're physical and they're, you know, they're they're the kind of specimens that can play out a position, make mistakes and still get back on the ball and, you know, make the play. Great. Wonderful. What I'm saying is, is you're going up against another experienced offense of division one players, right? It's division one scholarship players that are able to gel in a very strong offensive unit. And you are coming into this contest with limited experience against something like that against the experienced signal caller that is Tanner Morgan. So, I think that both of these teams might light up the scoreboard tonight. Now, do I think Ohio State will cover their 13 and a half point spread? Yes, I do. However, I just don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see Minnesota put up 30 plus points on these guys. I, I could see uh, an ending score being something like a 56, 34, or something like that, in which both offenses get their points. Uh, but the defenses, you know, leave leave too much to be desired, especially for the, the the Golden Gophers. I would expect that Ohio State's defense might solidify a little bit as the game continues, or maybe they're really good up front and they do put in those rotational players, and then Minnesota is able to move the ball and get some cheapies. Either way, I'm just kind of feeling the over on this one. That's my only strong play here, besides Ohio State winning this contest which our official pick is that Ohio State will win the contest and cover the spread. But look out for Minnesota to make some noise on the offensive side of the ball. Another game going down tonight will be the Citadel at Coastal Carolina, number 22 ranked Coastal Carolina. This one is on ESPN Plus, and it kicks off at 7 p.m. tonight. By the way, that Ohio State at Minnesota contest is at 8 p.m. on Fox, so... If I didn't mention it earlier, 8 p.m. on Fox. But the one, this one, Citadel versus Coastal Carolina, number 22 ranked, is on ESPN Plus, 7 p.m. I am very interested to see how the Black Swarm defense, which decided to all come back for super senior years, pretty much we're talking about Teddy Gallagher, defensive tackle C.J. Brewer, safety Silas Kelly. Um, they've all decided to come back. I would like to see how this runs against Citadel's triple option. It should be really neat and interesting. The thing about Coastal Carolina's defense is they're not very big, but damn, they are fast. And they play very well together, very cohesive unit. They get to their spots, they get to their alignments, they're heady, 
They run with a lot of effort, pursuit, and they gang tackle. That's why they're, you know, they're nicknamed the Black Swarm. They do get all over you. So it would be interesting to see tonight how they manage the triple option attack from Citadel. And then if you turn around the offensive side of the ball for Coastal Carolina, they run an option as well, but it is a spread option with Grayson McCall at the helm at quarterback, who I think is a very young, talented, efficient quarterback. And then uh, some of the better weapons in the Sunbelt Conference with Isaiah Likely at tight end and Javion Hiley, the Hiley-Likely combo that they will reach the end zone. The real question is, with C.J. Marable's departure, that is Coastal Carolina's running back from last year, with his departure out of the backfield, because he was a real weapon, how do they fare with establishing the dive and the trap plays that kind of get this offense going? The way that the spread option attack works is you have to start with a good point of attack uh run game that runs between that you know that zero that two zero hole and that one and three hole basically the gaps between the center the guard it's a dive play some of y'all know exactly what i'm talking about some of y'all might have just learned something either way it is a downhill running game that gets it started and then your options from there are able to branch off if you never get that established which was something that liberty did a good job of stifling in the bowl game against uh, Coastal last year. If you never really get that started, the rest of the offense and what it is that you can do doesn't really get underway. So new rotation in the backfield. Let's see if these guys can hit the hole the way CJ did. But either way, I think Coastal will be able to handle that. I think that they will be able to defensively get to their marks and deal with this triple option attack tonight. So I've got the Chanticleers taking this one. I think they roll tonight. I think they will be, they will be just fine. And this is going to take us into some slate of games that are not being played tonight. On Friday night, we've got a big matchup. We have the North Carolina Tar Heels taking a trip to Blacksburg to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies. They're at Lane Stadium. Number 10 ranked UNC Tar Heels, by the way. I think the Tar Heels are legit. I do. I'm and, and I'm looking no further really than Sam Howell. I could look further than Sam Howell, but I'm looking at him. I think that he could be one of the best quarterbacks in all of FBS this year. He's on a lot of people's Heisman list, uh, short list already. I think, he's, uh, I think he's fantastic, and I think the combination of him and Mac Brown have been great. Um, the O-line. Returns all five starters, right? Uh, 20 starters, okay, from the Orange Bowl contest against Texas A&M last season, the way they finished the year, which I think that they represented themselves very well. I've mentioned this before. They, they gave Texas A&M about all that they could handle for most of that contest until the depth and the talent for Texas A&M was able to emerge late in the game to kind of turn it into a little bit of a blowout. Um but I think that they did a very good job working with what they had, which was a lot of their two deep guys and a lot of key spots. And all those guys are returning, right? They also get a boost in the backfield, even though uh, Michael Carter, Javante Williams are gone. Ty Chandler from Tennessee transfers in, talented back, and he will run behind that very seasoned offensive line. At wide receiver, we've got Caffrey Brown and Josh Downs will be a name to watch out for. 
Definitely had his moments where he flashed last year. And then tight end Garrett Walston is another solid weapon for Sam Howell, who is a weapon in and of himself. He's got the moxie. He's just got that pocket presence. He puts the ball all over the field. He just has that will to win. And you just, I think you believe in him. I think his guys believe in him. And this could be a year where UNC kind of ascends to a new level becomes that 10-win team in season and challenges Clemson for the superiority of the conf- of the uh, conference. I think it could happen. Um, I think in the offseason, Mac Brown's watchword for this team had to be consistency. UNC on any given week looked like they were the best team in the country, and then they also looked like clown shoes maybe the next week. And, you know, funny enough, it even happened within games. I'm thinking back to losing to Florida State, right, when being ranked number five in the country, and then absolutely demolishing Miami and making them look like one of the worst teams in the country, right? And then, again, going toe-to-toe with Texas A&M until about, you know, six, seven minutes left in the game and looking like they could do nothing, you know, right down the stretch there on their way to their blowout loss. They look like they could do nothing against Notre Dame. But again, very solid handling their business against other teams on the season. Then they get that crazy shootout with Wake Forest. I mean, it's just no one is denying that this is a good football team. Whether or not this can be a consistent football team, I think, is the real answer here. As far as Virginia Tech goes, they were ACC royalty not so long ago. The problem is is I just don't trust the culture there at Virginia Tech. That's been the sort of the general consensus, I think, surrounding the program. What's up with Justin Fuente, head coach? Is this team going to even believe in itself after week one, especially if they do go down with a loss to UNC? Does the season begin to unravel at that point? What is the speculations there? I think there's just too many off-the-field distractions for them to come out with this win, and I think UNC is coming in with a mission to make a statement in that game. Now, all that being said, I actually think that this will be more of a dogfight than people are predicting. I think that Virginia Tech is a program that still has some pride to them. And if UNC comes out and they're a little bit wishy-washy and the consistency, the inconsistency, I should say, plays in and is still a factor, look for Virginia Tech to try to seize an opportunity for what would be a huge upset. Getting into the Saturday slate of games, we've got one at noon on Fox. I don't know why the Big Ten <laughs> decides why Fox, you know, that, that, why they do this. Why would you put number 19 versus number 12 at noon? I don't get it, but that's number 19 Penn State taking a trip to Wisconsin, Camp Randall to take on the number 12 ranked Badgers. Now, Penn State was a team last year that was out of sorts, and the same could be said for Wisconsin, especially with the way that Both of these teams decided to handle the COVID-19 thing, actually the whole entire conference, the way that it was handled, just kind of disjointed the year. Penn State comes in with Sean Clifford at quarterback, Wisconsin with Graham Ertz. I think the question in this one is who can express their weapons better? I believe that Penn State has more weapons up and down the roster for sure. Whether or not they express themselves to their full potential, and the coaching staff from Penn State is able to put them in positions to have a monster game. That is the real question. Sean Clifford, as I mentioned, Jahan Dotson at wide receiver and a deep backfield roll into Camp Randall for the Nittany Lions. 
Offensive line was a huge concern last year. The, uh, some of those guys are back, but again, pass protection was a huge deal for some of their, you know, lack of success and their inconsistencies. Also, I think decision making in pivotal points by the coaching staff definitely left a lot to be desired. Jim Leonard, Wisconsin's defensive coordinator, Paul Christ's right-hand man there, he is going to field another fantastic defensive unit. They are going to be solid front to back. Jack Sanborn returns at linebacker to lead this unit. I think that they are going to give Penn State some serious problems up front. I think they're going to throw a couple of exotic looks at Sean Clifford, who typically has a, he has a track record of getting flustered in these big sort of games. I don't really trust his moxie at all. It just It's just one of those things where it's hard to trust Penn State right now. I do trust the consistency from Wisconsin. What I see from Wisconsin is a big physical football team that plays great defense. They're going to get in your face. They're going to hit you. And historically, they start the season very strong. They do come out firing on all cylinders. They are at home. We've got fans back in the stand. Jump around is going to be playing. So... I think that the Wisconsin Badgers do take this contest over Penn State, albeit Penn State may be the more talented team. I think an X-Factor matchup in this game to watch out for would be Jake Ferguson versus Penn State's linebacker core that still has a lot to improve upon. Jake Ferguson being one of the better tight ends in college football and definitely a good safety uh, valve and a security blanket for Graham Ertzay, quarterback. Big matchup we're talking about next. We've got number 14, Miami, taking on number one, Alabama in neutral site action in Atlanta. I kind of laugh when we put neutral site action on here because this is really a a home game for Alabama, in my opinion. It really is. Um, They pack that place out. They're very used to playing there. Obviously, SEC Championship pretty much in perpetuity almost every single year. Um, They have had some great victories there. Obviously, some gut-wrenching defeats for my team, the Georgia Bulldogs. 3.30 on Saturday on ABC, Alabama has an 80% chance to win this one. What is interesting about this is Bryce Young gets his first start as the signal caller for the Crimson Tide. The kid's already worth a million dollars. He ain't even taken a freaking snap yet in like actual competition as the starter. So what to make of this? When we were previewing these teams a few weeks back and we were doing deep dives on these rosters and I was thinking about what the potential for this matchup could look like, Miami's secondary coming into this year could be one of the best ones in the country. With Bubba Bolden, the uh, DJ Ivy, the addition of Tyreek Stevenson, very talented kid from South Florida that spent the last couple of years, actually funny enough, in Georgia, has returned home to play for the Hurricanes. Secondary-wise, I think that this could be an elite unit. The defensive front and the linebacker positions, question mark. And their ability to pass rush, I think, is going to be highly suspect. Even with the addition of a couple of uh, uh, key transfers, uh, DeAndre Johnson from the Tennessee Vols, an edge player, good pass rusher. But again, the guys that they lost from last year that were their that their pass rushing specialists and one of the strengths of the teams is not there anymore. Alabama up front, new reshuffled offensive line. How do you break in a new offensive line? You run the ball. 
Alabama, Trey Sanders, deep backfield. I think you are going to see an Alabama offensive attack that is going to mirror something a lot closer to some older Nick Saban teams in which they are going to go run heavy and look for their play action shots down the field with a young, inexperienced, but very talented wide receiver room. And not to mention, you still have guys like Slade Bolden and John Mechie that have returned. And Jaleel Billingsley at tight end is an absolute X-factor matchup. Like to see how they use him and move him around. I think offensively, they are going to try to pound the rock, go for their play action shots, make this game go quickly because they don't want to be out there in a slugfest with Miami. As far as Miami goes, you got Alabama's defense versus De'Eric King. De'Eric King coming back off of that ACL injury in the Cheez-It Bowl last year. Uh, Kid worked his ass off, made his way all the way back in for this contest, so hats off to him. But you're returning against an Alabama defense that returns 10 starters that down the stretch turn into an elite unit in the SEC. And you have a suspect offensive line. I I know that there are some people around the Miami program that are actually very excited about their offensive line. I don't like that matchup. Alabama's defensive front versus Miami's offensive line. This was a unit that gave up 30 sacks last year and had one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the country, maybe probably the most mobile quarterback in the country back there. It would have been a lot more if Mr. King wasn't so elusive. You got a guy that's coming back off of a knee injury, a major knee injury, right? Is he going to be the same? Is he going to be as shifty? Is he going to be as quick? I'll tell you what will be just as quick and just as powerful as it was last year, and that will be Alabama's defensive front coming after him. So I think they will get to him. They'll hit, hurry, harass. And to be honest with you, this reminds me a lot of the Alabama-Florida State matchup from a few years back where essentially Alabama derailed Florida State as a program when they took out DeAndre Francois. It just has that kind of feeling to me of this where they could wreck your season badly right off the bat. If you're the Miami Hurricanes, I would sort of be sweating this one. I think a lot of people have a lot of high expectations for the Hurricanes. This is not the first time people have had high expectations for the Hurricanes and they will have disappointed. I am going with the Crimson Tide to put it on Miami, not in some devastating on-the-scoreboard blowout fashion, but there will be a physicality difference that is going to show up big time in this matchup, and it's going to feel a lot worse than the scoreboard looks. And that takes us to the big preview for me, Georgia, neutral site action versus Clemson in Charlotte, number five, taking on number three, 7.30 p.m. ABC Saturday. For the same exact reasons I was just talking about between Alabama, Miami, I think Georgia takes this contest over Clemson. I think this is going to be a game that is won and lost in the trenches, and Georgia is in the business of winning in the trenches. I understand that you have DJU. I understand that Justin Ross is back. Great, wonderful. I also understand that guys like Darnell Washington and Taki Smith are injured coming out of Georgia's camp. Georgia, again, one of the deepest rosters in the country, and they are in no lack of weapons whatsoever, and maybe none so bigger than JT Daniels himself at quarterback. I haven't talked about him enough in this offseason. 
He brings an entire different factor and dimension to the Georgia Bulldogs. The ability to still ground and pound with their very deep backfield, with the ability to have a field general at quarterback with the arm talent. Georgia's had quarterbacks that have had arm talent, and they've had quarterbacks who were smart. Now they have one that is both, and he's a leader too, and they believe in him. I think this offense will come out humming on all firing on all cylinders like it did last year to end the season last year. This Georgia defense up front, X-Factor Jordan Davis, nose tackle, 6'6", 340 pounds, quick as a cat. I think the internal pressure that he's going to be able to get on DJ and the disruption that he's going to be in Clemson's rushing attack is going to be the difference in stymieing that offense. And I don't care if DJ sits back there and lobs it up all day. This game is just going to be one on physicality, in my opinion, and I don't think Clemson brings enough of that to the table to deal with this. I think this is going to be a double-digit win for the Bulldogs. Whether that's 10 points or 20 points, I don't know. I think I'd split the difference and go with two touchdowns. Other games to keep an eye on as we wrap up this episode real quick. I am interested in number 17 at number 18. That's number 17, Indiana at Iowa. Fresno State going to take on Oregon, ranked number 11, Oregon. Interesting matchup there. Let's see what they're all about. Louisiana, 23 at Texas, number 21. Should be an exciting matchup. Don't sleep on that game. LSU, number 16, taking a trip out to UCLA, who looked very impressive in their debut. Let's get some bold picks right here at the end. Here we go. Upset alert. I got Illinois on upset alert. I know they're coming off that nice victory against Nebraska, but they're taking on UTSA coming out of Conference USA. That's a sneaky good little team. I'm betting against the spread in favor of UTSA. Could be an upset outright uh, with Illinois being high off that win against Nebraska. There you have it, folks. Week one preview in the books. Any given time, any given place, any given topic. Get it at any given.